Let's go surfing now, everybody's learning how Come on a safari with me This is Bruce. This is John. This is Blix. This is Trav. This is Jay. And welcome to the TriTech Games Podcast, your podcast of going out and having a great time wherever you are. Hey, we're going to be having some great stuff going on at DragonCon, which is going to be happening this coming week. So we wanted to make sure that anybody who's going to DragonCon, who listens to our podcast, has the full information about what TriTech is doing there, what Blix and I are doing there, because we're both going to be there, so that if you guys want to stop by and say hi, or you want to get involved in some of the demos that are going on, or whatever, we want you to know, you know what's going on so you can get as involved as you want. So Blix, you want to tell them what you're going to be doing there? Well, uh, last year I went and I, I ran some stuff, but this year... And it was awesome, by the way. You guys really missed out if you didn't get in on his games. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. This year, though, I'm not running anything. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna be a participant this year because I know next year I'm gonna have a lot more. I'm gonna be doing, and uh, I'm not probably gonna get to enjoy as much of Dragon Con as I would like. So I was. I'm kind of taking this year off and just enjoying it and participating and having a good time. Because next year I, I plan to have Savage Worlds demos constantly. New podcast that I'm gonna be working on. I'm going to be running around. You're going, to, you're going to meet me in all kinds of places if you go and you look for me. Uh, I'm going to be in, absolutely going to be in one of Bruce's games. I'm going to try and make the second one, or make a second one as well. Oh, and I'm bringing one of my friends with me now. Um, my friend Mike is coming with me, and you guys probably don't know anything about Mike, but he's one of my all-time old Fringeworthy players. So he and I grew up playing Fringeworthy for years and years and years. Very experienced Fringeworthy player. So, you know, he's going to be there with me and, and you get to see the chemistry that he and I bring because, you know, we've played together for so long that, you know, we, we game together very well. One of the things I'm definitely going to be doing at Dragon Con that I know I'm going to be at is the Contourage parties. So if you're going to go to any of the Contourage parties and you want to come out and drink some beers with me, I'll be there. If you mention the Fringeworthy podcast, I'll buy you a beer. Well, that sounds great. Yeah. TriTac podcast. I can't keep forgetting, Bruce. <laughs> That's okay. I'm going to attend one of the uh, Sigler sessions. Um, it has to do with podcast and writing. September 4th, that's a Sunday, at 11.30 a.m. It's in Hilton Room 204. So I'll be going to that because it has to do with being a writer and podcasting your writing because I'm going to be doing some of that very, very soon. Um, I already have one short story up, which I should link or tell you guys about. It's uh, I did some stuff for this the, another convention I went to called the Total Con Podcast, and you guys heard one of the podcasts that we did there, one of the, the TriTac podcasts that we did there. I wrote a short story called Curse of the Red Death, and it's essentially my first short story, and I had a bunch of guys read it live. Uh, well, a bunch of guys and one girl. I kind of bushwhacked them, so they had never read it before. It was a cold reading, so it was really funny. It's funny to hear them um, trip over their lines a little bit, but it's, it's a pretty good story, so if you get a chance, go to uh, TotalCon.com. And uh, just look for the Curse of the Red Death. It's one of the recent ones I put up. All right. And if um, if you guys are into skeptics at all, so the, the whole skeptic scene at all, you'll definitely see me hanging around that area a lot. And uh, Bruce, what's the section you're on? What's it called? 
I'm at the American Sci-Fi Media Track. That's over in uh, the Radisson. It's up on the second floor where all the big ballrooms are, and we're in room 704, and that is behind where they always seem to be doing the Red Cross blood drive. So you have to push through all those people giving blood in order to get back to our uh, our track area. But we're going to be having all kinds of stuff back there. And we're also, of course, going to be in the big ballrooms whenever we have any of the actual guest stars from any of the shows that we cover. And you'll probably see me there, too, because because last year I, I was kind of stunned by the whole Dragon Con thing because it's just so stunning is the word to use you know you, you just walk in and it's like if you've never been it's you know it's like somebody hitting you in the face with a wiffle ball bat so i'm gonna try and uh i'm gonna be making more of an effort to go over and hang out with bruce some and and see some of the stuff he's doing and so you'll probably catch me there too if you're looking around right you catch me just about anywhere you mentioned the tritech podcast i will go and buy you a beer if you're of age and you drink beer otherwise i'll buy whatever you drink cool I am going to be running demos of Bureau 13 and Fringeworthy at the convention. The schedule is Friday at 6 p.m. I'm doing the Meller Assault on Hatsumi Base. That's the one I'm going to be at. Right. That's Fringeworthy. What we're doing there is we have been telling people for 30 years that if the Meller, which are the, the terrible shape-shaped monsters in the Fringeworthy game, were ever able to get to Hatsumi Base that it would be the end of Earth, that they would get free, they would get loose, and they would just start bringing down civilization as we know it. And as far as I know, it's never happened. So we said, hey, let's do it. Let's actually have a, the worst case scenario where the uh, Mellor have managed to get themselves onto the base. And the way they do it is, in the Fridgeworthy game, we have what we refer to as Team One. And this is the initial group of people who went out on the Fringe Pass, and they're documented pretty clearly inside of the main Fridgeworthy rulebook. And we, it's the backstory for how you guys begin to be Fringeworthy Explorers. And we talk about Team One. Well, in this particular episode, Team One become Meller. The Meller take, uh, take their identities, take their shapes, come back. They go into quarantine because in the beginning, Earth was very much afraid that the Fringeworthy were going to bring diseases back. And so they put them into quarantine, and that's where we're going to start. You're going to be in quarantine, wearing a robe, but you're really a monster, a shapeshifter inside you know, this cute little wee-lie Chinese body. You and the rest of the team have to get out and escape out of Hatsumi Base, but you get extra points if you destroy Hatsumi Base as you do it. That sounds like a lot of fun, actually. Honestly, how often do you get to play not just the bad guys, but the uber bad guys, the bad, bad guys? And let me tell you something. Meller are no joke. Let's say, for example, you're playing on this. Full disclosure, I have no idea other than what you know about this adventure. So if I play on it, I'm not going to have any more information than Bruce just gave you because it's all the information I have. And you really don't need any more because they've taken over their bodies. They're going to know everything that this Team One knows. Team One knows quite a bit about Hatsune Base. They know where everything is. They know who the people are. They know some of the security people. I mean, one of them, their dad, is the guy who's practically running the place. I mean, you guys are going to have a total in there. I just want to see how, bad, how badly you can destroy the place. Right. Here's the thing. Even if, let's say, you know, one of the guys discovers that you're a Meller. One guy, one Meller. He's toast. It's not like you have to sneak around and, you know, hope nobody finds out who you are. Because the second someone does, you can just lob his head off. Mellers are bad. Right, but there are security forces on Sumi bases, and they do have assault rifles and machine guns and grenades and all those things. So, you know, as Meller, you're not immune to all those things. No. You're just big combat monsters with the ability to take on the identity of, of people that you run into. Be pretty much what you could make of it and how well you can get out. Because if you can get out 
and get away, then Earth is doomed. And what are they, they Bruce? What is it? What is the saying? There will be blood. Oh yes, there will be blood. <laughs> You're gonna be painting that place red. I assume so. So yeah. that that should be a fun one. I mean that. Yeah. And, and you don't have to be nice at all. You don't have to worry about the repercussions or anything because it's a con adventure, whatever. You know, it, this is like this is like a what if, right? This is a sandbox. Right. So you can do whatever you want to, and we don't care. We want to see how far you can push it. Mm-hmm. We really want to see how bad it can get. Extra points if you could actually manage to take the whole base down. And you can do it. <laughs> right. All right, so that's the first one. So we're starting off with a bang. The next one is Saturday morning at 9 a.m. It's let's Escape from the Island Pocket Stop. And what this is, is that you are, as a Fringeware Explorer, you go to a lot of strange worlds. And this particular world is an island. And it's a very strange island. And we've had a lot of television shows about really strange islands, and they're involved. It's kind of lighthearted. It's meant more for fun. It's still a role-playing game. You're still going to have to do what you can do. There's still going to be threats and everything else to deal with. But I think it's going to be a lot of fun for anybody who loves shows about people stuck on islands. Right, right. Wait a minute, what, what time zone is this one? That's at 9 a.m. on Saturday. Oh, yeah, I won't be at that one. Okay. <laughs> I'm basically running an adventure each day of the convention. If you miss one on one day, there's going to be more chances. On Sunday at 1 p.m., and I'm doing the two Bureau 13 at the end. So the first one is on Sunday at 1 p.m., and that's Stalking the Steel City. And that's an adventure that takes place in Pittsburgh, otherwise known as the Steel City, where the team is supposed to find out about some poor guy who got rendered, basically got ripped arms from from legs uh, in a park in Pittsburgh, downtown Pittsburgh, and if it's a werewolf or a monster, what kind, you've got to stop it before it strikes again. And so you certainly need to make sure that he doesn't get on the news. Standard Bureau 13, find the monster before the public realizes, you know, that the supernatural exists. And also just trying your best, you know, to save people as you go along the way. Right. Okay, that's Sunday. That's the other one I'll try and make. Okay, that's a fun one. And then the last one is the cleansing of Chessex House. And, and that is a ghost story kind of adventure where you have uh, another vagrant, it's funny enough, uh, who gets killed inside of the abandoned home. It's, it's one of those like houses that nobody can seem to sell that's been sitting unoccupied for about 10 years. The guy who originally owned it, who's now deceased, uh, he was an engineer on, uh, uh, in, on the Chessex line of the railroad. And so there's a lot of you know questions about maybe there's some restless spirits, and uh, you need to you need to basically get rid of them, put them down. And this was played very effectively up at Gen Con, and everybody who played had a great time with this one. So I expect to ha- have even more fun at Dragon Con since well, I'll be more practiced at it. Cool. Okay. All right. All of our sessions, we give prizes, we give T-shirts. We want to reward you for taking in our uh, in our games and to spread the word of how great Bureau 13 and Fringeway is to everyone you know. So please come and get ready to have a good time because that's what I'm dishing up. Right. Hey, just so you guys know, we're a bunch of us are, are getting together. Uh, Bruce is included on this one. Everybody is. And this is separate from the TriTech podcast, a completely separate thing. But we'll mention it here just because some of the same people are doing it and and I'm going to be a Dragon Con. I'm trying to record some of this stuff. We're going to be doing something called the Con Men, which is a podcast for those of us, who, you know, a bunch of us who go to conventions, and uh, we're going to report on them. So if we encounter you there again, if you come up and you say, "Hey, I heard you guys are TriTech. I want to meet you," blah blah blah, 
we'll definitely interview you for the Dragon Con episodes as well, just to get your take on your feelings about Dragon Con and what you think and everything. I'd much rather interview any of you guys uh, before you know somebody who's not familiar with us at all. You know, hey Bruce, how can they? How are they going to know what we look like, who we are? In Bureau 13, I'm going to be wearing the big T-shirt that says "Chaos Erupts." Bureau 13 is there. At least until the end of the first episode, in which case there'll be about six other people wearing that same T-shirt. Right. That's an easy way of identifying, you know, me. And then for Fringeworthy, I have a T-shirt that says "Fringeworthy." The stars are only 197 miles away. Oh, okay. Well, I'll tell you, if you want to find me, um, I think the best way to do it is, you know, go onto the the, the Facebook page for for TriTech Games mm-hmm. or the TriTech Podcast, either one. You know, I'm Peter Bryant. You see my picture on there. Right. Um, look me up. If you know you're going to be there, definitely keep an eye out for me. Yeah, and I'm Bruce Sheffer, and you can send me an email to bsheffer at aol.com or post onto my Facebook wall or in any of the groups of Friends of the TriTac Games and the Fringeworthy Facebook group, any of those guys. I mean, you know, send us a message. We'll get it. You know, we're hooked into our stuff pretty much. You know, the other thing I'm not currently doing is Twitter. Hopefully somebody will pick up the ball on that. And, hey, we like to interact with you guys. Yep. So, I, mean, I mean, seriously, very seriously, you know, if you're going to be a Dragon Con, absolutely get in contact with us. You know, before you head down there, I'll take time out to meet up with you somewhere if you want. Just, just to say hi and talk about, you know, talk about the podcast, see what you guys think. Talk about what's going on with the Savage Worlds edition. Get in touch with us. We're, we're friendly people. Yeah, and if you have your own podcast, hey, we'd love to tell you information about our games so that you can mention us on your podcast. And we'll be glad to mention you on ours. Oh, absolutely. This week, we're talking about adventuring at the beach. We're going to be talking all about the different things we can do there and how it's different at the beach than any other place that you might go. When you're on the beach, not all things are threats either. Just because something comes walking out of the surf and it has webbed hands, it could be the man from Atlantis. If you ran across uh, Matthias Bolt from the head of the Brotherhood of Darkness Incorporated, you don't necessarily have to attack him just because he's there. Oh, let's see. A man who collects Nazi brains as a hobby? Uh. (laughs) It's possible for you to create a no-fire zone on your beach and use it as an opportunity to actually engage in social discourse and advantage with some of these characters that normally you would be all up in their face with Uzis. Right, right. Just because they're a threat, it doesn't mean you have to respond with violence. We keep talking about threats at the beach, you know, as, as adventures, but, you know, it doesn't have to be like that. You could run an adventure using seduction skills and, and diplomacy skills and, and I don't know, intimidation, if you want to go down that road, and, and actually run a social adventure at the beach where the, you know, the goal of the character is not to kill somebody, but to engage in some adult activities. I love the idea of, of using, you know, seduction or, you know, intimidation or diplomacy or bluff. Because you're kind of out of your element when you're on the beach, and so is whoever it is that you're having to deal with, probably. One of my friends played a character who was a surfer. And if we did a beach adventure, that's what his character was doing on the beach. He would actually, you know, enter into, like, 
surf contests. And we just kind of came up with ad-lib rules on doing athletic roll-offs against another character uh, or another set of characters to where he was trying to win a surf competition. And that was kind of fun, you know. And then we did a volleyball game where we basically used the same kind of rules where we just basically took our athletic skill. Because that's what the game had. for You know, you didn't have a sports skill. You, that's what you had. Just did a bunch of athletics checks to see which team won. And it was a lot of fun. I mean, you know, it's not something we'd want to do more than, you know, once in a great while. But it was a nice break from, you know, slaughtering everything that we met. Mm-hmm. We did some social stuff. And you would probably have to because almost all games which have violence as the primary means of solving problems never worries about collateral damage. Basically, you and the monsters and you duke it out until one side is left standing. But when you're on a beach, you're surrounded by hundreds if not thousands of collateral persons, you know, people that you should not be threatening under any circumstance unless literally Godzilla comes stomping out, in which case your primary job might not be to stop Godzilla. It would be to get the other people to safety. Your adventure is is going to be, your and your tactics are going to be informed by the situation and the environment in which you're in. Mm-hmm. I'm, just, I'm just thinking of, of that one Tenchi Mew episode where they actually have swimsuit contests. If this is more like Incursion or Hardware Hingerland, you're going to need some money. And the prize for the swimsuit contest, must be equal opportunity, male and female, is enough to get you a hawk. Okay, now we got to do a swimsuit contest? Yes. And I don't. we're not just going to roll it. You're going to role play it. <laughs> Who's going to win the, the, the $1,000 yeah. prize? Yeah. What is your talent? If you've seen Miss Congeniality, which is a really good movie for seeing somebody who's a hard-bitten FBI agent who has to embrace uh, basically a frivolous contest. She does it with aplomb and still manages to carry on her investigation while she's in the middle of that. You know, it doesn't take place at the beach, but a beauty pageant is pretty darn close to what, what we're talking about right here. Yeah, they like a swimsuit right. competition at beaches and stuff. Oh, so, yeah, that would fit in. Right. Yeah. Like for Bureau 13, a cult has set up shop on a beach and, you know, they run events on the beach and they do like bikini contests and stuff like that. But on the surface, they're very difficult to crack. On the surface, they're very good. They, they don't do anything wrong. They're just having fun at the beach. But the Bureau knows that something nefarious is going on. And maybe they're running some kind of sacrificial ring and they're trying to find the prettiest women so they can sacrifice them to some demon. And by running these contests, they're able to you know, lure in beautiful women and, and beautiful men too You know, because good-looking guys come to try and hook right. up the good-looking girls. And your characters have to get in there and you can't just walk in. You know, they're not going to pay attention to you. You're not going to be able to get on the inside and find out what's going on. They're going to call the police on you. Right, right, exactly. Well, yeah. So your characters might have to infiltrate the group and, and you know, you might have a good looking character in the party who has to come in and enter the bikini contest or the or the speedo contest or whatever. Right. You could combine all these elements. You know, you you could do this where where you guys are forced to play volleyball and, and, and you know and, and beach football and participate in the bikini contest, the wet t shirt contest or or whatever. Any of those things. You have to do that for a period of time so that you can get in on the in, you know get on the inside, or maybe even get the character into the the trap. You know, set up one of the, the the player characters to fall into the trap so that you can be on the inside when all this stuff goes down. You know, it doesn't have to be one or the other. It can be it can literally be both one leading into the other. 
Yeah. Right. Oh, you said that about cults, and I'm reminded now of in the Friends and Enemies of Bureau 13, there is a, they're mostly on the West Coast. They deal with all things aquatic. The rosy crustaceans. You, John, I was trying to <laughs> what that was. Well, no, what it is is that they're, they're, I think they're in the neutral section of Bureau 13. Yeah. And they basically know anything and everything about sea life. They're based on the West Coast. They got their red robes. And I remember the picture from the 92 edition. You're like, yeah, a couple of guys there in the red robes. And in the background, you see this tentacle just up out of the ocean off the boardwalk. And so, yeah, that would be a, a good... They're not so much a cult, an evil cult, but they could help out in a beach adventure because you're going to be there. You need information. Mm -hmm. They're a good contact. Right. Yeah. Actually, it's just a, gr a great little title, The Vampires of Venice Beach. Right. <laughs> That's pretty cool. If they're really considering themselves to be more attuned to the sea life and possibly even monsters of the deep, their alliance would be toward protecting those monsters, not protecting the humans that walk on the land and, and on the beach encroaching on their ecosystems. So, you know, they would be a neutral rather than a friend. So, Jay, other than your Fabio adventure, have you ever have you ever done anything on the beach or planned anything or, or adventured with someone else on a beach-type adventure? Uh, we did, like, a Beyond the Supernatural-style adventure where we had a stuff washing up on a beach, and it turned out that an oil rig had been drilling and accidentally drilled into the skull of, a, of an old one. And it was like oozing out into the oh. into the ocean, and it, it ran it ran well, and so we included it in like a lot of our older GU stuff back in the more horror based stuff that we had, and we kind of just left it in our our timelines, and but it made great because it's like you know okay so the people on the beach are like turn act really strange, and then as they progressed out into the ocean to try to find the source, you know they were tracking down boats that had people that were like acting like cannibals and. Eventually, we had our, our zombie scenario on board an oil rig to finish up the adventure. So, Oh, man, that, that's actually a great idea. Wow. I like that. Thanks, Jay. Yeah. So the, the, the old one oiled slick, huh? Yeah, it, it was neat because we'd, we'd done it with different cults where over the years, when they, the, the, we call them the ones before, where they're, they created the, the world and they basically fell asleep and they were buried underneath. And then over the years, as people, you know, digging for oil, digging for riches and whatnot, would accidentally drill into them, and then their blood would be pumped out by, like, one cult, and they would spray, like, on, you know, cornfields. We did, like, a whole horror scenario where the heroes were traveling across the country trying to track down where the blood was coming from, and they finally narrowed it down to a beach, and this is after going through, like, nonstop horrors from the East Coast to West Coast, and then it ended out on the oil rig, where they realized they had to blow the thing up because you know, it was the only way they were going to kill the thing because it was, it was waking up. Even though it, was, it had been lobotomized by the oil rig, you know, it was going to get up and just trash the planet, so they blew up the rig and, and in turn blowing up the, the creature. So. so in other words, it's, <laughs> it's not Cthulhu, it's retarded Cthulhu. <laughs> <laughs> just destroying stuff indiscriminately. It's a very unpcly put. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. Brains. Hey, no offense. <laughs> brains, brains. <laughs> so I have a, a a little question here. I want to put to the group since we are talking about the beach and beach adventures. Tell me why suntan lotion 
is your best friend at the beach. If there's one piece of equipment you must always take with you to the beach, you must take suntan lotion. Why is that? John? Don't you mean sunblock lotion? No, suntan lotion, sir. They cover up your pasty white flesh? <laughs> no, no. It, it, you're playing RPGs for fun. People who get burned from sun, that's no fun, okay? So suntan lotion is not used to protect you from the burning rays of the sun. It gets you a bronze tan. In other words, it bronzes you to make you look more attractive, right? Yeah. Okay. Blix? I got it. You know, for the sexy chick on the beach who didn't bring suntan lotion with her, it gives you an opportunity to rub some on her back. That's right. It's a social lubricant. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I uh, ring that bell, Bruce. That is just that came out wrong. <laughs> I'll bet to the idea of tanning, you can actually use suntan lotion to write a secret message to somebody by either applying suntan lotion to someone who doesn't have suntan lotion or to wipe it off strategically on someone who does have it on so that after a few hours, a message appears. Oh, my God. Why am I, why am I reminded of Police Academy, what they did to start uh, Captain Hayes? And right. It, Burn. Right. But again, that's the not fun version of it. <laughs> hey, dork. Hey, dork. Hey, dork. Yeah. <laughs> Suntan lotion is also good if you're captured and tied up, thrown in the uh, into a cabana or into the back of a van. All that lotion should give you a bonus on your uh, escape artist skill, right? Your check? Oh, yeah. Sure. Right. Slipping out of those handcuffs. What do you think, Jay? Uh, he just took mine, man. Greasy pig syndrome. All right. Flash Thompson can't right. grab you by your throat if you're lathered in suntan lotion. There you go. Right. So it's also good for avoiding those grapple checks. Hey, I bet if you squeezed it into somebody's eye, it would sting pretty bad. Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh, yes. I think I've sweat. be like sweating and get some of the suntan lotion in my eyes, and it, it burns. It burns, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you put enough on, you can roll in the sand and give yourself armor. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's going to work. You can also use it to help you slide better. If you, yeah. you know, had some reason to uh, slide down the wing of a plane or down uh, some kind of a tarp or something, a little bit of lubricant there might help you out. John? Yeah? You might not be able to get armor out of it, but if you're trying to attract a Horda, it might work. Or camouflage. You look like did, sand. Did you get the, yeah, I got that. Yeah, did yeah. you get the order? Okay. Yes, I did. That's 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 why I'm I'm, I'm completely ignoring it. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> you're right. I didn't think about that. I mean, you could actually put enough of it on and roll in the sand, and you could then use you could act as camouflage. I, probably the more the string bikini kind of suit, because otherwise you get unevenness with your sand accumulation. If you were out there and somebody had some kind of uh, an attack, like an acid attack or uh, even a fire attack of some kind, you know, a lot of those suntan lotions actually will vaporize pretty well. And it could act as a momentary vapor barrier against that kind of an attack. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I was trying to think of chemical uses for it. I mean, huh? I'm not sure the exact chemical composition of suntan lotion. But I'm sure if you're one of your team members, and this could work for Fringeworthy as well, if, you know, something chemical they could come up with. And the player would probably have to have a decent grasp of chemistry 
or the game master would allow, you know, like a, what is it, a knowledge physical sciences role. Oh, I use the suntan lotion for this and MacGyver something up to allow to help you out. I'll bet if you mixed it with gasoline, it would make a pretty darn good jelly Molotov cocktail. Mm, it's not flammable. Oh, kind of like a napalm kind of. Ooh, yeah. Ooh. There are various kinds of things that have been used for suntanning lotion. I mean, coconut oil. Back when, you know, when I was a kid, suntanning lotion was nothing more than baby oil with iodine in it. We didn't even have, you know, S SPF anything, nothing, you know. <laughs> 1940s don't count, though. You must be talking about my dad. <laughs> I'm sure there's some of it out there that actually would be flammable. Yeah. Actually, I'm thinking about the spray stuff, that the spray on. Well, you know what? You got impromptu blowtorch. Yeah. Or you need a lighter or a match. Some of those things use a, uh, a butane sprayer. Y'all y'all might want to have a health disclaimer that you do not encourage people to go out and actually try these things. Oh, God, no. Please. Oh, no, no. No, we are not condoning you just going out and doing Oh, no, no. Yes. For those who aren't aware of this, it says we are talking about a fantasy role-playing game where people sit around a table and imagine these activities rather than actually going out and performing them in, themselves in real life. does not condone the use or activity that we just described. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think you'd probably do better off using your alcoholic beverages. Yeah. I always wondered how flammable those jello shots were. You have to have at least be at least 50 proof or better to, to actually catch fire. I'm pretty sure the jello shots that I, I, I've been offered were at least that yeah, much. So those yeah, those probably been fire. We'll have to try it at a convention sometime. So. Yeah. All right. So, you know, things that you bring to the beat, like, you know, suntan lotion can have many, many purposes when you put your mind to them that you wouldn't normally use them for. Yeah. Of course, you need, if you need a distraction, you know, those string bikinis come off fairly quickly, too. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know. And they make excellent restraints. Real story. We, we were in Antigua about two years ago. One of the guys was climbing around on some rocks, and he fell, and he had a bunch of rocks fall on him and cut him up a little bit. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't super bad, but it was, it, was, it was quite painful for him. He cut in between his two toes really bad. The blood was running out of his foot. Mind you, this is a very liberal group that I was hanging out with. One of the girls just pulls her top off and tied his foot up with it. So I know for a fact a bikini top makes a great bandaging device. One thing we can say about being at the beach is that it isn't your normal paradigm of gearing up and going out and doing the mission. It's a great opportunity to really flesh out the character of your character, to do different kinds of activities, social and otherwise, that you normally would do, display interests that heretofore have been completely unmentioned in the game. Right. Don't miss these opportunities to let other people know that your character is special, it's different, that there's more than one side to this character. The person who's gung-ho, take the bullet, running to the front of the battle, might be the shyest person in the world wearing a bathing suit. And vice versa, the guy who's Mr. Quiet scientist type, you might find out that he's a naturalist when he goes to the beach. Hopefully, you, our general listeners, have become totally inflamed with the idea of running an adventure at the beach. A totally different environment, probably for most of the adventures that you've taken place in the various campaigns that you had. 
hopefully you can see all kinds of things that you can do that would be different at the beach versus in most of your adventures. There's lots of different things that can happen when people will relax enough to leave some of their gear behind and expose themselves to danger and to other kinds of revelations as far as characterization as well as opportunities to develop backstory on the characters. We hope that these thoughts that we've brought out will really help you enhance your game. And if it does, we really would like you to tell us what you did with it and some of the uh, great stories that you had adventuring on the beach. Please post to our Facebook group, possibly even go to www.tritacgamers.com and join one of our forums or our Yahoo groups at uh, groups.yahoo.com for Fringeworthy and Bureau 13, even FTL. Because there's no game out there, as far as I know, that can't take place on a beach at some point or another, even if the beach is virtual in some kind of a Matrix-type game. And we want to thank our guest host, Jay Libby, from uh, Dilly Green Bean Games. Thank you, Jay. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for bringing us that perspective on the, the beaches of Maine and New England. Uh, I'm sure that there's lots of different types of beaches all over the world that you could go to and still have different adventures on the beach. It's it's fun, it's sweaty, it's sandy, and all the hangovers are virtual. Well, thank you for having me, guys. Well, you're welcome, Jay, and we hope you'll come back again. But until next time, this is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. And this is Blix. Remember, bullets speak louder than words. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. This is Jay Libby. The gamer generation is you. License 3.0. No commercial distribution or derivatives are allowed. The Tri Tech Podcast is wholly owned by Tri Tech Games. Visit us at www.tritechgamers.com or on Facebook. Hi, this is Trav of the Travcast, Hour 3 of Blind Wolf's Rubber Room Association on DementiaRadio.org, Tuesdays, 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern.